Brother Tyler, and um, just uh, watching him uh, lead the songs tonight reminded me that uh, he just uh, got home from uh, Oklahoma City, uh, where him and uh, his uh, buddies uh, with the Amen Quartet just finished their third recording project, and uh, he brought home the raw mix with him today and got to sit in his office a little bit and listen to it. And uh, mercy, they're going to get it one of these days. They keep practicing, keep spending money. They're going to get it. But uh, it's going to be good. And uh, looking forward to, uh, to the release of that for sure. The book of Ecclesiastes chapter 10 tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter, chapter 10. Let me ask you a question. Do little things matter? Little things matter. The other day, I was preparing to put some fertilizer and weed killer uh, on our grass. And of course, it's got to be a little bit damp in order for that stuff to stick and do its thing. And so, Katie was in the garage and she was turning the dial to each station and, you know, wanting to put a little water in each section of the yard so uh, I could go over it with uh, the spreader. And when she turned it to the station that covers the, the larger part of our front yard, the sprinkler heads wouldn't come up. They wouldn't pop up. They just kind of laid there, and water was just kind of squirting out every now and then, and there just wasn't enough pressure. Well, obviously, there was a problem, but I am about as mechanical as a mosquito, and uh, so I, I didn't know what to do. I had absolutely no idea what was going on, and so I called Brother Alex Perez and asked him if he would come by, and and to take a look, and so he did. He, he came by last night, and, and he looked at a couple of things and tried a couple of things, and um, just still, they, they just weren't coming up. There just wasn't really enough pressure, and he just couldn't get it figured out. And finally, he, he went to the backyard where the main valve sits several feet underneath the ground, and Something that he had already turned on, by the way, plenty of weeks earlier. And he went there to see if there was some kind of problem there. And he tried, and he tried to get that thing to turn, but it, it wouldn't turn. And come to find out, it had, gotten, it had not gotten turned on all the way when he turned it on earlier because there was a, this tiny little rock just big enough to keep it from turning, and, and it created an issue that wouldn't allow enough pressure to get to the, to the front yard to let the heads pop up. And he'd gotten underneath that valve, and he couldn't turn it, so he dug a little bit and all this, and the next thing I know, he... Knocks on the door and says, hey, pastor, it's working. I look out there, boom, those things have popped up, water spraying all over the place, and it's awesome. So, do little things matter? Well, they did at my house. 
They did it at my house. And the truth of the matter is tonight, little things do matter. And that's the important truth that Solomon endeavors to drive home in the first three verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Look at it with me tonight. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly, foolishness, him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to every one that he is a fool. Solomon here, as he does throughout his writings, weighs the wisdom of the wise against the folly of the foolish. And there is more than a thin line between wisdom and foolishness. There is a Grand Canyon-like chasm between the two. And all throughout the wisdom books of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Solomon warns us to stay away from the edge. He has posted all kinds of warning signs and erected barriers in, in the book of Proverbs and in the book of Song of Solomon to help us stay on the safe side of life. And one of those warning signs reads like this. Don't forget, it's the little things that count. And only a fool would disregard Solomon's warning. In these verses, Solomon addresses the cost of foolishness, the cause of foolishness, and the course of foolishness. And in this case, foolishness being the failure to heed the little things. Foolish neglect of little things can be very, very costly when it comes to the secular and when it comes to the spiritual. Let's talk about the secular for just a minute. Let's take the space program, for example. According to U.S. News and World Report, little things have often been the cause of big difficulties for the folks at NASA. Commenting on a delay in the space shuttle Columbia's second flight, they said the reason for the postponement was a clogged hydraulic system filter. Officials reported that the five quarts of oil needed for a change was worth only about $25. Yet the setback cost American taxpayers approximately $3 million a day. $25, $3 million a day, do little things matter? Absolutely. On another occasion, a costly satellite was lost 
because a punctuation mark was omitted from its computer program. The cause for aborting an Apollo 13 moon landing in 1970 was a short circuit caused by a piece of wire worth about 50 cents. Go back with me to a cold winter morning in 1986 when seven astronauts boarded the space shuttle Challenger. And with the whole world watching, were killed as the spacecraft exploded 73 seconds after liftoff. The cause for the explosion was traced, get this, to a faulty O-ring. Do little things matter? Ask the families of those who lost their lives that day. They'll tell you tonight that little things matter. On September 11, 1995, a squirrel climbed on the Metro North Railroad power lines near New York City. That set off an electrical surge which weakened an overhead bracket which let a wire dangle toward the tracks which tangled in a train which tore down all the lines. As a result, 47,000 commuters were stuck in Manhattan for hours that evening. Do little things matter? Ask 47,000 angry New Yorkers. Some of you may remember a young 17-year-old Mexican girl named Jessica. Her family had moved to the United States from Mexico so she could receive a much-needed heart and lung transplant. Unfortunately, things didn't go well either for Jessica or for her parents as she was pronounced dead on February the 22nd, 2003. As the result of what they called a minor mix-up, the heart and lung she received were type A organs and she had type O positive blood. Officials called it a clerical error and in all honesty clerical errors are made every day but this one cost someone their life do little things matter ask that girl's parents right here in our text Solomon points out that something as small as a fly can cause much damage. An apothecary would, would be a, akin to a modern-day pharmacist. Imagine opening a, a bottle of, of liquid medicine and finding a half-decomposed horsefly in it. Would you then agree that little things matter? I remember years ago, I went to Taco Tico. I love Taco Tico. I remember Taco Tico when the tacos were like 15 cents a piece. It was awesome. I went there one night, and I got a Sancho. Meat and lettuce only. No cheese. No tomatoes. Don't want to ruin it. Now, I get it home. 
And I bite into it, and it's delicious like always. I bite off the end of it. I'm getting ready to take another bite. And I look down at it, and there's something looking back at me. It was a cockroach. Yes, sir. Do little things matter? So, God is my witness. I go back to Taco Tico. I walk up to the counter. I said, there is a roach in my Sancho. God is my witness. The doofus on the other side. Well, you want us to make another one? Well, yeah, hold the cockroach this time. Do you want me to make another one? Ah! Little things matter. They really do. They, they matter. They matter in the secular part of our life. But even more than that, they matter in the spiritual side of our life. Turn with me to the book of Numbers chapter 20, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers chapter 20. Let me set the stage for you. The children of Israel are in the desert of Zin. They have no water. They have no food. They have no more patience. And they let Moses and Aaron know about it. And so Moses and Aaron went before the Lord. And we pick up the story in verse 7. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he uh, commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch ye water out of the rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Sounds like a pretty successful venture. They had no water. They needed water for themselves and for, they, for their beast. And we read how God brought water out of this rock. Good thing. Well, no, not really. God said, speak ye unto the rock. And Moses smote the rock. And we're looking at this, we're going, yeah, speak, smite, smote. Sounds like a minor thing. But look at the consequence. It was all but minor. Verse 12, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Moses' minor mistake bore major consequences because he smote the rock 
When God said to speak to the rock, he would be forced to die in the wilderness with the rest of unbelieving Israel. Do little things matter? I would say they do. Go to the book of 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles, you see Samuel, Kings, and in Chronicles. Chapter 13. 1 Chronicles chapter 13. While you're turning there in chapter 12, we read this. All these men of war that could keep rank came with a perfect heart to Hebron to make David king over all Israel. And all the rest also of Israel were of one heart to make David king. So David is now king. And in his new position, one of the first endeavors was to bring the ark of God, which represented the symbol of God's presence. He wanted to bring it back to Israel. And I think we would all agree tonight that desiring the presence of God is certainly a commendable thing. So David devised a plan whereby they could enjoy the Lord's presence on a continual basis. First of all, he consulted with the leaders, and then he spoke to the congregation as a whole, and David found everyone to be in agreement. So 1 Chronicles chapter 13 and verse 5 says this, So David gathered all Israel together from Zihor of Egypt even unto the entering of Hemoth to bring the ark of God from Kirjath-Jerim. And David went up and all Israel to Bala, that is to, to Kirjath-Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up hence the ark of God the Lord that dwelleth between the cherubims whose name is called on it. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah and Ahio drave the cart. Verse uh, 9. And when they came under the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and smote him, because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. What started out to be a good thing, seeking the presence of God, ended in the tragic death of Uzzah, touching the ark. Minor thing, major thing. I don't know. Maybe major, maybe minor. But the consequences were definitely major. He died. All he did, uh, the oxen stumbled and they didn't want the, he didn't want the ark to fall. And so he just put his hand up to steady it and boom, God struck him dead. Touching the ark may seem like a little thing, but it brought major consequences. Back in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 18, it says this, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner, one sinner destroyeth much good. Case in point, Achan. His story is found in Joshua chapter 7. 
The children of Israel had just finished fighting the battle of Jericho, where God wrought a tremendous victory as they marched around one time for six days, not saying anything, and then marched around seven times on the seventh day, and after the seventh time, they blew the horns and they shouted, and boom, the walls came tumbling down. And the Bible says the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country, Joshua 6, 27. But, it says in verse 1 of chapter 7, the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now what in the world did Achan do? He took of the spoil. 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold, and a Babylonian garment. Now church, listen, in no way do I want to try and minimize sin. But in regards to what he could have taken, come on. That was nothing. Those were small things. A wedge of gold and a garment and 200 shekels of silver. That's, that's little stuff. Minor stuff. But what were the consequences? Joshua 7, verses 24 and 25 tell us that Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor and all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Do little things matter? They do. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 15, Solomon said that it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. Along the same lines, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And if you know your Bible, you know that leaven, when spoken of in the Word of God, is a type and picture of sin. And in Paul's words, allowing just a little sin in our lives can cause much damage. A 17th century clergyman named William Secker once said, Little sins are not like an inch of candle which soon expires, but they resemble a trail of powder which takes the fire until at last the barrels burst asunder. Go back to Ecclesiastes 10 if you haven't gone back there yet. You still with me? Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom 
and honor. Little sins can affect us tremendously spiritually. They can ruin our testimony. Listen, just one word spoken in haste or one word spoken in anger. Just one little, meaningless, insignificant thing taken from work that doesn't belong to you. Just a little padding of the expense account. Little things. Any one of those things or dozens of things just like them, listen, they can ruin your testimony. Little sins can ruin our morality. Just one flirtatious act, just one click of the mouse. Just one. That's all it takes to start someone down a road of immorality that could ruin their life forever. Little sins can ruin our matrimony. You know what one thing has more marriages in trouble today than anything else? It's the neglect of the little things. And I would venture to guess that more marriages have ended over the neglect of little things than have ended due to anything major. Just ignoring, forgetting, overlooking, dismissing the little things. We would do well to understand that little things, minor things, things of no account as far as we're concerned can often result in major consequences. Not Listen, not just for us, but for those we love and lead. You know what these little things are? They're acts of foolishness. And the question is, how can we keep from committing them? How can we keep from doing the little things? And I would say, according to Solomon's words, the answer is to keep our hearts right. Not guarding our hearts and keeping them in the right place is a cause of much foolishness. Look again at verse 2. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Now understand, this has nothing to do with being left-handed or right-handed. In biblical times, the right-hand position was considered a place of power and honor. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he took his place at what side of the Father? The right hand of the Father. And you'll find that truth all throughout the Word of God. The right side, the right hand, was considered a place of power and a place of honor, while the left hand represented weakness and rejection. And since the fool doesn't have wisdom in his heart, he gravitates toward that which is wrong. He gravitates to the left and gets into trouble. In Proverbs 4.23, Solomon wrote this, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it, that is out of the heart, are the issues of life. 
Don't forget that at the heart of every problem is what, church? A problem with the heart. It doesn't matter if it's a problem related to our marriage or a, a problem related to our private life or a problem related to our work life or a problem related to our church life. It doesn't matter. At the heart of every problem is a problem of the heart. And when we fail to guard our hearts and keep them where they need to be, which is close to the Lord, we're just asking for trouble. As I was preparing this message, my mind went to the third verse of the song, Come Thou Fount. And there the songwriter wrote, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Prone to wonder. You know, that's a description of every single one of us tonight. Our propensity is toward wandering. Away from God. And it just takes one little step in the wrong direction. If we fail to keep our hearts in the preferred place of power, then we're sure to follow the course of foolishness. Verse 3, Yea, also when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. This verse speaks of the course of action followed by those who refuse the wisdom for living that is offered by God in his word. You know, Peter said that in the word of God, we find everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything we need to live for God is found in this book, either in direct command or in principle or in precept or in example or in illustration. It's all right here. We don't need anything else. It's all in the book. Whereas those who walk in wisdom are said to be at the right place, the preferred place, those who walk in foolishness live a life that is completely out of whack. Their priorities aren't right. Their motives aren't right. In general, their life is a mess. A Frenchman by the name of Jean-Nicholas Grau once said, Little things come daily, hourly, Within our reach, 
And they are not the less calculated to set forward our growth and holiness than are the greater occasions which occur but rarely. Moreover, listen to this, moreover, fidelity, faithfulness in trifles, in, in trivial things, fidelity in trifles and in earnest seeking to please God in little matters is a test of real devotion and love. Let your aim be to please our dear Lord perfectly in little things. Little things. Most of us probably have the big things down. It's the little things that trip us up. It's the things we go, oh, that's really not that big a deal. Listen, listen, listen. If it's in here, it's a big deal. When you ask anyone in here that, that works in the medical field or in law enforcement or in, 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 a, in the capacity of a first responder, and, and, and they'll tell you the little things matter. I mean, so many times the, the cases that are lost in court are lost because of a little thing. Something wasn't included in a, in a narrative or, or some little bitty insignificant, like, are you kidding me, piece of evidence is, is, is messed up. And the whole thing is shot. Oh, but the, the big things were covered. But you know what the defense attorney did? He scoured through that until he found a little thing. And you know what the devil does? He combs through our life and through our heart until he finds a little thing. And he starts picking on that little thing. And that's when we get messed up. Oh, we've got the big things covered. It's the little things that hurt us. You're probably familiar with the old saying, for one of a nail, the shoe was lost. For one of the shoe, the horse was lost. For one of the horse, the rider was lost. For one of the rider, the battle was lost. For one of the battle, the kingdom was lost. And all for the want of a horseshoe nail. Think about that. For want of a nail, a kingdom was lost. Now you would think that would be impossible. But church, listen tonight. Every detail of life sets in motion a chain of events which we cannot predict. Think with me to Christ's temptation in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4. It all started with a little thing. Just, just a piece of bread. If you're the son of God, Satan said, turn these stones into bread. 
Now, he got to the kingdoms of the world and all of that other stuff, but it started with a little thing. Take this stone and turn it into a piece of bread. How significant is that? How big a deal? How huge, how large is a piece of bread? I mean, come on, what difference could a piece of bread make? Well, consider this. For want of abstaining from a piece of bread, a fast would be lost. For want of a fast, a prayer would be lost. For want of a prayer, a vision would be lost. For want of a vision, a mission would be lost. For want of a mission, a sacrifice would be lost. For want of a sacrifice, an eternal kingdom would be lost. Do you understand tonight that if Jesus had done that little thing, that you and I would have no hope of heaven? Because he would have sinned and therefore could not have been the sinless sacrifice that God required to die on the cross so we could go to heaven. Do little things matter? If you end up in heaven one day, absolutely it does. And what's worse if you end up in hell one day? Absolutely. You'll know then that little things matter. Little things matter. That Jesus would have given in to that temptation, do that little bitty thing, it would have mattered. So what about your life tonight? What are the, what are the little horseshoe nails in your life? What are the, the little pieces of bread? The little sins that affect your affection and ultimately your direction. Let me say again what I said a moment ago. That every detail of life sets in motion a chain of events we cannot predict. It all starts with just a little thing. Every head bowed and every eye closed.